Hey, what's up, Tom? What's up, brother? Hey, man. I want to uh, give a big thanks to uh, our sponsors uh, today. Thank you, Schedulicity. Thank you so much for doing what you do for our industry. You give so much love. You give so much love to us. We want to uh, thank you from the bottom of our heart. Well, uh, in 2019, they changed the industry, right? They changed the industry with both Schedulicity Cares by giving away $5,000 a month to a hairdresser and some barbers, right? And with Schedulicity Pays. Yeah, and Schedulicity Pays was huge. Ginormous. And it, yeah, and, and it definitely, definitely will save you money. Yeah. No I mean, doubt. There's no doubt. I mean, a 1.99% processing fee and for $0.10 cents a, a swipe, I mean, you, do your research. You can't find better. No, and a free card reader. And a free card reader, that's right, <laughs> which is integrated right into the app, right? So you don't have to leave the app. Everything is, uh, is right there for you. Yeah, and also we want to bring to the family. Yeah, so uh, we're also excited to talk about uh, salon scales and welcome them. Um, and then they give you the price, which then in turn you you uh, you you forward to your to your uh, client. So what they're doing is they're doing labor and product. So you charge for your labor. You know, you charge X amount. You know, per per hour, and then you're also um, charging for your product. But they kind of walk you through that. But more importantly to me is you see exactly how much product you're using. And, and exactly how much product that, it, that it's costing you, right? So, like, I know, for instance, like, I was way undercharging, like, for either a gloss or, or, or for a toner because I was using more product than I was actually charging for it. So, you know, for years and years and years, I've been losing money with those services. Well, now I've, I've readjusted my, schedule, my, my pricing, so now I can, I can make some more money on, on, on those products. Or so, not lose money. <laughs> not lose money. Exactly. I mean, literally, it's crazy when you do a gloss and now it's costing you money. You know, that, that's, that's just silly to it's think like about. like taking your car to a mechanic and they charge you for labor and not for parts. Exactly. Right. You know, exactly. So now now they've given us the ability to charge for that. Um, and, and again, just for me, the, the biggest aha for me was just the awareness of, of, of what these products are actually costing me because I had no clue before. A really, uh, another really cool thing about Salon Scales is that you just put in whatever product line that you're using. And and it's already preset in the uh, in the app. You just go to their website and you go, hey, I'm using this product line, that product line, this product line, and it just it automatically puts it in the app for you. So when you're when you're weighing your your product, you just boop 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 boop. And even if like like because we're independent, what do you got to do? Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> because we're independent, you know, we use we use. It's not just one product line that we use or one color line that we use. Like I use um, I use Schwarzkopf uh, Lightener, but I use Redken um, uh, shades, and it's and you're able to put all those products in there, so you can weigh exactly uh, exactly what you uh, what you want. So they're making it super easy for you. They're making it incredibly easy for you, and you're saving money, and you can actually make money because I think I said earlier you can you can set the price to whatever you want to charge for that. Meaning like if a tube of color is costing you $10, you can mark it up so it's $20. So when you forward that to your client, that um, little bit of a, a, a margin there as well. It's, it's so great. Um, again, just thank you very much, Salon Scales. Thank you for being on board with us. And, uh, and we can't wait to see how you guys change the industry in 2020. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, hey, welcome to your day off. My name is Corey, and of course, I'm sitting with my best friend, Tony, sort of. Yeah, sort of. What's going on, brother? 
Nothing, I man. Wish, I wish I was sitting next to you. I know. I, know. I, I wish you here too. Again, it's just, it's so weird, like, doing this digitally. You know, we, uh, we, we usually get to slap fives and, you know, look deeply into one's eyes when we're sitting. <laughs> so, you know, now, now, now during this, uh, this COVID quarantine, you know, hopefully by the time this releases, we're no longer in that quarantine and we get back on the road, but you know, here we are today, but actually uh, the COVID-19 quarantine is, uh, did us a big favor today. It, yeah. Yeah. This, this, if it wasn't for the, uh, the pandemic, we would not have this interview today. That's exactly right. So, um, you know, when you're trying to get a very busy executive on your show and they just can't um, seem to make time for you, it takes nothing but a, um, an, uh, an international uh, worldwide a pandemic to, to, to bring her on the show. She doesn't have time, <laughs> you know. Never to get her on. That's hilarious. awesome, man. This, this, I, we're, I'm excited to get into her story, dude. I mean, you know, everybody knows the brand. Everybody knows... Uh, who she is so that's it's a a big big win for us you know as far as you know having her on here and just being able to get to know who she is and and how she did what she did yeah it's great and and um today we're talking to uh the executive or the 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 founder the whatever she'll give her title about how she kind of came about but of uh, of color wow and you know certainly during the pandemic color wow has been very relevant because it's probably one of the top the the little like the the little it looks like a makeup thing for uh, for gray coverage hair. It, it, it's probably like one of the top selling products in the country right now. You know, I'm, I'm sure of it. You know, I, I guarantee it's their best selling product right now. You know, while, while we're while we're while we're locked away. But um, <laughs> it's <so> true, <laughs> crazy, right? Her name is Gail Federici, and and you know, she's it's wow now, but she has she has managed some of the biggest names, um, product names um, th- that we've used certainly over our entire career, really, Tony. Absolutely. Some of the biggest brands uh, and definitely some of the biggest names and products uh, uh, without a doubt. Yeah. 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 Without a doubt. I can't wait. Let's, let, let's, let's, let's shut our mouths and let's, uh, let's bring Miss Gail in so she can kind of tell us her journey because it is a fascinating one. I mean, honestly, I mean, I just feel honored that, that, that she was able to make this time for us. Also, you know, I, I, I want to bring light too, is that, you know, having a, a woman, in a woman dominated industry at the, at, you know what I mean? At the, at the leadership. And that's so awesome because we need more women in our industry to step up and, or not necessarily step up, but to, to run an industry that's mainly uh, filled with women, right? So many men control the brands or so many men uh, control the lines. And it's so nice to see, you know, and have her on here to, talk about what she did and on that you know a couple of things about that is that one we've talked about it a, a hundred times on the podcast you know how, how are we 70 percent women but you know all the brands are usually like managed or even named after after guys one so you know to that like this woman must be like a serious badass because she cut through all that and she said you know what we're just gonna i'm gonna do this so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to re-energize me i'm ready to get well, ready some to- of the biggest men they called on her to say help me out and she made those lines uh what they were so that's dude that's pretty, pretty impressive gosh you know why, why is she sitting down with us because she's stuck at home <laughs> <laughs> all right let's get in man uh so miss gail federici welcome to your day off thank you so much i hope i can live up to that intro 
Uh, Let me tell you, thank you guys. It's great to be here. Gail, I think you've already lived up to that intro. So, you know, the rest of <laughs> man. Right, yeah. <laughs> we really, really appreciate you. We really appreciate you coming on. And, and thank you for all the stuff that you've done to our industry and for our industry. And we're going to get into that. But again, thank you. Thank you. My pleasure to be here. Seriously. So we'll kick it off. Gail, where did you grow up? I actually grew up in Connecticut, where I still am. And I got into the industry in my 20s, actually. Are you a hairstylist? No, I'm not a hairstylist, but I have been doing hair. On When I was in college, I did absolutely everybody's hair before there was a formal. I was the last one. I used to look the worst. I had a line outside my door, putting, you know, putting wave into their hair, putting their hair up. I had to be good at hair because I had terrible, terrible hair. My hair was so frizzy. I had perfect hair until I was 13 years old. Perfectly shiny, straight, um, no problem. It was just easy hair. And then when I turned 13, I started to get um, wavy and then the frizz started and then the braces started and then the glasses started. And you can imagine I was a really popular girl at that time. (laughs) (laughs) I fell apart at 13. But, you know, I always say that I probably would not have made five cents in my whole life if I didn't have this problem hair. Because necessity is the mother of invention. And this hair that was like the bane of my existence eventually led me to constantly search for ingredients as I got into the hair industry later to figure out what can be done for this hair type to make it easier? So it's not all bad. It led to some, there's always a silver lining, right? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's true. So, so obviously you, you didn't go to hair school and you weren't a hairdresser and you were in college. What were you studying in college? I was studying English. Oh, wow. I didn't know what, I had no idea what I wanted to do. None. And then I minored in art history, but I just, I was very immature. I probably still am now. I feel like a kid always, you know? That's a good thing. It might not be good when you're young, but it's good when you're... So I just did not know what to do. And I used to, I always liked to read. I still like to read. So I picked that, but with no plan. You know, I think also when I was in college and um, for sure in college, I would have been voted the least likely to succeed. There's absolutely no question. I was like a prankster... I was ready. I wasn't like a wild child at all, but you know, I was living my life. I wasn't crazy, but you would never pick me to be doing what I'm doing now. Period. The end. I'm sure I've shocked them all. (laughs) (laughs) With the best hair now. (laughs) It still takes good products and some effort. So, so now, what did you? Um, how, how did you? How did you? You know, happen upon the industry? How did you get in the industry? And was what? Did you do it right after college, or did, or did you? No, have no. From? I did several different things that you know I wasn't particularly interested in. I just got a job in um, at ICI, a chemical company, and then I moved on to another company, and then I decided at about twenty-seven or eight, I'm done. I don't know what I want to do. I'm going to move to France and become fluent in French. 
And so I went there. I was there for a month with a friend. And then my mother got really sick. So I flew back and while she was sick, I was temping. I, I didn't want to get a full-time job because I had to help. And I started temping at Zotos, you know, that makes the perms and is, uh, you know, in the trade. Right. And I liked it. You know, I just fell into it. I liked the people. I felt I could be, because I feel like I have, my father was very analytical. He was in computers when it was um, in the very early days. So I felt like I always had that left side of my brain, but my mother was much more creative. So I, I, I thought the beauty industry when I went into it was perfect because I could do the business side, but yet, you know, doing hair and looking at doing photo shoots, which I was able to do there, that aesthetic side that I really liked that creative side, was also part of my job so i just really liked it from the start and, and so it's not a small it wasn't a small company either it's a big international brand right it was it was probably only at around 25 million it was a long time ago when i was there and then when i left it was probably between 75 and 100 million but i really learned the industry there and i was um i did a lot of the advertising. And in doing that, I spent a lot of time up in the lab and we had unbelievable chemists like Dr. McDonough, who was an industry legend. He had so many patents. And I was able to learn under these guys because when I was trying to position the products to hairdressers, it was never clear to me from the information that I got, what about this product makes it better than all the other products out there. And in order to really understand and get that information, I was always up in the lab. And then once I could really wrap my head around this versus the competition, then I'd reach out to our educators because um, that was one thing I also really liked doing at Zotos. I don't know if any of you guys remember the creative design group, it's probably before your time, but we had about 500 educators that, um, that we trained in doing perms back then. And I would then call some of these guys and women to talk about my idea and, and would you be interested in a perm that did this? So I, at a very, you know, in the very beginning years at Zotos, I spent a lot of time talking to chemists in the lab and learning about, you know, why things work. That's fascinating, you know, because a lot of people just would probably just take the job and just do what their, you know, their job description is, but you wanted so much more. You wanted to understand the small details, why, and that, and, and I felt, yeah, I kind of felt that I didn't know how to sell it. Like my job was to put together materials to sell it. And when I would get, I, you'd often get these briefs that would say, the objective was to create awareness and generate excitement. Okay. I mean, <laughs> that's like obvious. That's like a blinding glimpse of the obvious, but why, how am I going to do that? How is the creative group going to do that? So which led me up to the lab and led me then to hairdressers to talk it through until I could really believe, okay, this is a real reason why hairdressers need this. And then that, allowed me to create the materials to um, sell it or educate about it. 
Yeah, it was brilliant. So it was really a great training ground for me. I had like the best mentors. How long were you with Sodas? Well, I was with them for 10 years. They were bought about six or seven years in, they were bought by Conair. So then I started doing other things like um, selling telephones or kitchen aids and hair dryers, different things. And um, I don't know, I just got tired of it. And I thought, I just don't want to do this anymore. It's, um, it wasn't as problem solution anymore. And that's what I really like. It's to solve problems because it was a different culture um, at, at Conair than there was at Zoto. Zoto's was totally professional. Conair wasn't. So I thought, I just don't want to do this anymore. And um, I was trying to figure out what to do. And I was going to start my own advertising agency with a friend, Ann Bell. And right before that, about a year before, Zotos was putting part of a big show in London. And um, we were looking, for, and actually the, the show eventually was in Milan for our 500 hairdressers. And we were looking for a guest artist. So I went to, do you know the alternative hair show in England? Yeah. 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 So I went to the alternative hair show to look for somebody that we could bring to Milan for these hairdressers. And I sat through everybody's show and the finale of the show was John Frieda's. He didn't come onto the stage, but his models were unbelievable. Like one after the other, I thought was amazing. And I'm going, who is this guy? Who is this guy? we've got to find him. And then I tracked him down. I had a meeting with him. We invited him to the conference in Milan in, I think it was 1988, something like that. And that's how I got to know John. And then instead of doing the advertising agency, um, I started consulting with John just a little bit on his products. And then one thing led to another and about a year later, we joined forces to come out with. He had his John Frieda range. And I said to him, I have an idea for my hair type. I said, "Would if I join with you, are you okay with me developing a line for frizzy hair? Because I think I have an idea. And he said, sure thing. And that's how it all started, like in 1989. That's a rest is history. Crazy. <laughs> exactly. Because I mean, if you think about it, like Gail, like it wasn't and Tony and I, we, you know, we came up in the industry in the, in the, in the early nineties. So, you know, once your work was out, once the work that you put in, we, we lived that work. Right. And then, you know, shortly thereafter, everybody had like a, had like a frizz ease type product, right? Like, like Sebastian yeah. with one. And, and I know uh, uh, TG had one and, you know, everybody. There were so many. Yeah. It was so scary. We had a bit of a breathing room in the beginning, but um, it was weird to me because I said to John, I said, it is so weird to me that there is no line of products out there for my hair type. I said, because 60, over 60% of the people have frizz either because they're permeant or because they were born with it or, you know, just because it's damaged and bleached, it gets frizzy. They're over 60%. I said, and there's not a single product out there. In fact, at the time, all of the products out there that were styling products were to add body to the hair because that's what manufacturers thought. Well, these are the people 
that their fine limp hair, they can't hold any weight, they can't hold any curl, they need bodybuilding products. That, those were the opposite of what I wanted. I didn't want anything. My hair was huge, out of control. <laughs> so I said to John, I said, you know, this is so weird. I said, because um, skincare companies, they have a whole range of products for normal, a whole range from soup to nuts for oily, and a whole range for dry. I said, in the hair care industry, yes, there are some shampoos for dry hair or, or whatever, but there are no styling products for my hair type. I said, this is crazy. I said, we should develop a line for frizzy hair to control it, to contain it, to make it smooth, not, not to have alcohol whenever possible, not to have any polymers that build up in the hair. I said, it's like a blinding glimpse of the obvious that it should be prescriptive. I said, and you know, we're professional, you have salons, we need to answer problems. I said, we have to be a problem solving company. That's like who we have to be. And um, it's weird because when I think back now, there was the word frizz wasn't on any product, which is crazy when it makes up so many people, over 60% and there was nothing for it. Right. And, so, and the name Frizzies is legendary. I mean, it is legendary. Yeah, thank you. It was so funny because I remember I was in our little hole of an office and John was working in his salon. I'm trying to think of a name, I'm trying to think of a name. And I was joking around with, oh, the Frizzies. And I go, oh, yeah, I've got the Frizzies. And then I said, what about Frizzies? I said, is that like ridiculous? And so I said, is that going to seem stupid when he goes on? So I called him at the salon <laughs> and I said, John, do you think that you could say this on television that, and then you take this frizzies, frizzies. And um, so he started practicing on the phone and we were hysterical laughing at the name at the time. And then we said, it says what it does. Let's go with it. He said, I think I can pull it off. So we did it. That's awesome. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that. I love like. I love like name development and, and, and the stories behind it because they're not, you know, you think it's going to be like a bunch of people sitting around, you know, banging heads, but you know, it usually just comes out of left field someplace, someplace. Yeah. I mean, it just, and at first I thought this is like too stupid. And then I was thinking, you know, we don't have any money at all, neither one of us to do any advertising or to do anything. And I said, you know what? The name has to speak to people from the shelf. They've got to know, we, I said, we could have never come out with um, Pantene Pro-V because what does that mean? It's not speaking to me. Why do I need Pro-V? I don't even know what it is kind of thing. So I said, there's so many names out there where I don't know that it's for me. I said, and, but they can advertise with all their money. I said, we have no money. I said, we need to, everything that we do needs to be an advertisement from the shelf because that's our only advertising space. So the name's got to say it. We need to have before and afters on the package. And we need to try to talk uh, drugstores into letting us have a little shelving unit, which they didn't allow in hair care at the time at all. Mm. Because it's, you know, it's a weird looking product. It's a, in a dropper bottle, this original serum. And what is this? I said, so it's got to be an educational piece. So, um, yep, that's how it how it all started when you explain it that's absolutely brilliant you know yeah. it's just so genius that it, 
you know, that's exactly what the product does, right? And that's why it's a perfect name, right? The name is what it is. Yeah. I mean, it just sort of fell into place. And I kept saying, this is, I read this in a, another book. I can't remember one, but somebody called something a blinding glimpse of the obvious. And I said, and they call it a BGO. I said, this is a BGO if there ever was one. You know, this is a blinding glimpse of the obvious that there's massive white space for people with my hair type. We mm-hmm. have to do this. And we, we really need to come out with a full line where every product really makes a difference. And it's not like the same ingredient throughout. It's not every single thing we throw in silicone. It depends on what you need the product to do kind of thing. So, you know, it's interesting too. And like, I mean, I'll sit here and I'll give you credit, but you know, you know, come about, I don't know, 94, 95, then we started to, uh, and you were saying about everybody wanted volume. Then we went the opposite, right? Like, like we were like, right. we were like flattening hair with flat irons, you know, with, 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 with some kind of like a, a frizz product, you know, some kind of like, you know, uh, it's, I don't know if it's silicone or whatever, you know, but just that clear, like oil kind of product that we were putting on everybody's hair and flattening it out. So, you Keep know, it really smooth. Yeah. In the mid nineties, so, everybody wanted to have Jennifer Anderson's uh, hair. Totally. The Rachel, right? Yeah. Oh, and even some Farrah Fawcett. I mean, it went from really helmet head in the eighties to a much smoother looking um, natural style yeah. like Rachel like Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, and, and so, so how long did you and John team up for? Um, we launched the product in 19, I think it was 89 in England. And then it really, we knew we had something when we talked to chemists. I had this idea from working in the lab and reading about ingredients that maybe silicones could really seal the cuticle um, like a top coat of nail polish and just keep my cuticle from being so rough. And we worked with a chemist in England and tried different samples. And then I tried one and I thought, this is really good. Let's make up a bunch and send it to the salon and have um, the hairstylist try it on their clients. And literally within the first couple of weeks, the clients were trying to buy the samples from, so we knew like we knew, okay, this is really Kate. We were just getting calls all the time. So um, we decided we'd better launch this. So in 89, it just went pretty crazy in England. We sold it in boots. And um, John is going, we've got to bring this to the U.S. We've got to bring this to the U.S. And he was pushing me, which was, it was a good partnership because he had a, all, a lot of qualities that I didn't have. Nobody has it all. Well, I mean, maybe some people do, maybe Steve Jobs. Oh no, Steve Jobs had Wozniak. But I'm sure there are some people that have it all. I don't. And John was the perfect um, counterpoint to me. So so we could say Gail's responsible for killing 80s hair. Well. I love that. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I mean, I help people with my hair type fit in. But um, I don't even know what I was saying. With you were uh, John was uh, John was convincing you to bring it to the U.S. Oh yeah, yeah, and he was really pushing hard. And to be honest, I'd never, I wasn't a salesperson. I didn't sell it in. I didn't even know anybody in the um, the chains, the CVS, the Walgreens. There were so many chains back then. Right. Um, 
and I think it was, uh, oh God, there was one in Washington, D.C., Peoples. Peoples. Yeah, Peoples. I remember Peoples. Yeah, Peoples and CVS and um, Eckerd Drug. And we were trying to find the names of people. We didn't know anything. And I remember going into the meetings with John, literally knowing nothing, but knowing this product was great. And they would say, well, um, how much money do you have for a TSV? And I would go, or a TPR, not a TSV, a TPR. I said, I don't know what that is, but we don't have any money for that, whatever it is. <laughs> and then they would say, what about a BOGO? Will you do BOGOs? And I mean, I knew nothing. I said, I don't know what a BOGO is, but if you're asking us for money, we have none. I mean, I didn't know what they were talking about. And I think they felt sorry for us. And I said, listen, it's only a little bottle. <clears throat> it won't take a lot of space on your shelf. If it fails, you can throw us out. And if it fails, we're dead meat. We don't have anything. Our family depends on it. <coughs> we will kill ourselves to sell that. Just give us a little bit of space just for this. And I think they felt sorry for us. And the <laughs> Eckerd drug were the first people that said, we'll take it and we'll take it with a display. And then um, the rest kind of was history. It just went crazy. All right. I'm going to ask the obvious question. Yeah. What's a TPR? It's a temporary price reduction. Oh, God. I know. I had no clue. I know what a BOGO is. Right. right. I didn't even know a BOGO back in the day. Thank you very much. John was probably thinking, here's my partner for America. I brought her in for America. She doesn't know a thing in this meeting. <laughs> oh, my God. So funny. <laughs> Oh man! So that I assume it did really well at Eckerd's. If if uh if the rest of the uh the uh, the product companies picked it up, yeah, I mean it really did. What we did was we had John go on local TV, mm -hmm. and wherever we could get him on TV, he would go on TV and he would demonstrate it live. He would do one section of the hair with a blow dryer, and it just was unbelievable. And we'd wait a day. We'd go into the stores the next day. And I'd ask, oh, do you have that product? I saw this guy on TV called Frizzies. He said, ever since some English guy went on TV, we've been out of stock. And that literally happened all the time. It was really, really an amazing time for us. And that's kind of, we didn't have a budget but for any um, advertising or anything, but we did go all over the country with John going on TV and promoting it. So not only did Gail kill the 80s hair, Tony, but she like, she created QVC too, right? She was there before QVC and, uh, you know, put John on tour. Right. He was on tour. He was, <laughs> he was definitely a killer. He could really sell those products. Yeah. I, that I, was the formula for us. And how long did you guys do that for? Um, we did it until 2002. Um, we launched the Frizzies. And then when I said we couldn't line extend anymore, Gail, why did you decide not to extend the brand? We didn't extend. What happened was um, when it was about seven years in, and I was saying to John, I can't think of any other problems at the moment. I, I could think of other problems that I had with my hair, but our chemists couldn't solve them. We didn't have anything that worked the way it needed to work. I said, we, I still had a list, but... <laughs> we couldn't solve the problems. And I said, we need to think of something else, some other problem. So 
I remember we put up a bunch of ideas in my office and a bunch of concepts for products, a bunch of ads. And I said, why don't you guys bring in, and the company was probably had about, I don't know, 40 or 50 people by then. And I said, bring people in here from outside and that know nothing about hair. I said, and bring them in my office for this whole week. Just stream them in here and I want to ask them questions about all of these ideas we have. Um, and by Wednesday, it was dawning on me that the blondes didn't like anything. It, it just clicked that there's a whole bunch of people and, oh, they happen to all be blondes. So I'm thinking, what is going on? I said, Thursday and Friday, I said, I only want blondes in here. So they brought blondes in and I said, why don't you like any of this? And they were saying, well, they think that their hair looks darker in the winter. They feel products make their hair look darker. They don't really love styling products that much. So I started thinking about it and thinking, you know, as much as I hate my hair, blondes tend to love their hair. It's like an asset, right. whereas mine is the opposite. So I said, you know, I'm saying to John, I said, you know, if there was something that we could do to keep that asset fresh, I said, they keep thinking that their hair looks darker in the winter. Can there be any truth to that? I said, that seems ridiculous to me. I said, what they, they grow, how do they think their whole head looks darker? It seems crazy. <laughs> I said, maybe it's a blonde moment they're having. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I said, but there must be truth to it. So we got our chemist and then we brought in, um, Christophe Robin from France, who does a lot of blondes, Sally Hirschberger, who was doing Meg Ryan at the time, and Michelle Pfeiffer, and a lot of blondes. And we had this like think tank and said, they're all saying this, there has to be truth to this. Christophe was saying, absolutely, when he does the blonde, it does look darker into, when they come in. So our chemist said, you know, the only thing that I can think is that the tap water contains a lot of minerals and like chlorine shows up on blonde hair, all the different minerals in tap water can have a different effect. It can make the hair look gray. It can make it look kind of brown. It can make it look brassy. So we said, let's test it. So he made up these cups of water, I remember, with different mixtures of typical tap water, some with more magnesium, some with more iron. And we had a control of the blonde swatch and then we took the other ones and dipped them in the tap water for a minute or two and took them out and they were discolored wow so we said okay they're not crazy it is look you know it's not looking great because these minerals are attaching and they're not outside in the sun as much that can lighten it maybe that's why it looks more I said, can you make a, a shampoo that's not a chelating shampoo that doesn't strip the hair, but will take this stuff off? And he worked on it and he actually um, got something from the textile industry. He's such a good chemist, Dr. Joe Sincata. He's so brilliant. He thinks totally out of the box. And he said, um, he, he got this shampoo and then we, it really worked. And we thought, okay, Let's think of blondes. Let's keep their blonde hair looking as blonde as possible until they go into the salon next time. And that's how the sheer blonde line 
came about because I just couldn't line extend anymore on uh, credibly. And I felt like we never had anything discontinued. We were always in the top 100 products and always we had the serum as number one for years and years. I said, and I don't want to lose our credibility. We're a professional company. We're a problem-solving company. I, I don't want anything, and neither did John. It was like, really, like we felt, you know, it's not like we're some big, you know, sort of anonymous company. It's us, you know, it's our reputation. And I didn't want to do anything to tarnish that. So we moved from line extending, line extending frizzies to trying to um, tackle the problems of blondes. I love that. And yeah, I respect that, especially as a hairdresser. You know what I mean? It's not, it wasn't about dollar and cents for you. It's more about problems. And uh, I totally respect that. I respect I mean, that. I, thank you. Go ahead, go. I mean, I feel like that's really what makes me tick. And I, I heard this podcast by someone, Guy Kawasaki, uh, a while ago, who said that when you, um, he said, do, when you make, how did he phrase it? Meaning, when you make meaning, you will make money. Don't look to make money. Look to make meaning. And then you will make money. Because obviously you have to make money. But there's ways to make money that make you, I mean, some people just making money and there's nothing wrong with that makes them tick. But, and it's not that I don't want to make money, but really when I feel good is when I make meaning. And with frizzies, it was, we had file cabinets because that was back in the day Mm -hmm. where we would get letters like file cabinets and file cabinets filled with thank yous from people from all over the place and mothers, grandmothers, kids, some mayor of a country in the the Midwest sent a poem that was two pages long saying it made such a difference. Somebody made a cast iron mold, copper or whatever mold of a frizzies bottle so we could make chocolate ones. I don't know why, (laughs) (laughs) but anyway, they sent that to us. So it just felt so rewarding to have such a response to our products and that feels good and you're being successful and that's like the best combination for me absolutely absolutely completely i mean that that's the best validation in the world right it is it you really feel like okay i mean sometimes i think okay this is just hair and i'm um you know my daughter has had serious issues and we've been up to boston children's hospital and these doctors it's life and death and Sometimes they ask me to speak and I think you guys are like, you can see right now with all these first responders and doctors, they're like gods. Yeah. And I'm thinking, I'm the shampoo woman. You want me to come up here and talk with you guys? <laughs> I can't, I'm going to be tongue tied. I can't speak in your presence. But so even though I can't do that kind of thing, I feel it's important. It makes you feel good if you look good. And if you can really make a difference and it's not just, smoke and mirrors yep. then that's helpful you know so so. So, to, so you said you sold it in 2002 did you guys just were you just getting tired no. or was it just the right no time you to know sell? no i didn't want to sell at all and john wasn't really thinking about it either um but what happened was we always entertained 
companies that came to us for, I mean, to be honest, because we were afraid they were going to knock us off. So we thought if we kind of went along with it for a while, they would, it would take them longer. If they thought they could buy us, it would take them longer to knock us off and we'd have more of a head start. So that's kind of why we would entertain it. What's that saying? Uh, keep your enemies closer. Exactly. That's right. That was kind of the theory. But then what happened was um, they were talking to us and we threw out a very, very big number and said, listen, if it's not this, and we didn't think they would take it. If, if you're not looking at a number like this, don't bother because we're not interested. And then they said, oh, yes, yes. One company, there were a few. And I kept looking at John, I, go, I, I said, we have more to do. We have more to do. And then they came to us, one of them. Um, we did the due diligence, very, you know, simple though, not trying to massively impress at all. And um, they came back with a big number. And I just said, John, we've got so much more to do. And he said, but Gail, this is like, I said, no. I said, I think no. And so we called them and said, you know, I know you think this is a huge amount of money and it is a huge amount of money, but we really feel our company is worth more and we've got more to do. Wow. And then they came back two days later with a number that when they said it, I looked at John and I said, this is nuts. I said, I feel like it would be irresponsible not to take it. You know, it would be irresponsible to our families because you never know what will happen in the future. But it was really difficult. It was really difficult when we signed the papers. And I think I really, and my friends say, for a good year, I was like really out of, I was sort of reeling from it because it was my life. I love doing it. Right. Right. All of a sudden you felt lost. Lost. And I loved it. It was like our baby. And I felt like we still had ideas and I wasn't prepared for them to accept it. And in fact, in the car on the way there after our lawyers and everybody were practicing, I said, John, do you want to flip a coin and just see heads we, we back out and tails we do it? And he goes, are you nuts? And I said, no, why don't we do it? And he goes, okay, I'm in. And we flipped and it was tails, we do it or whatever. And I said, how about two out of three? Because <laughs> we really, really didn't want to do it. It was like torture to us. In, in the deal though, did you like have non-competes and stuff? Like, could you not start another yeah. product line? No, and- we had a five-year non-compete, non-compete and there were a lot of things that tied us in. And so I didn't know what to do. So we left and went into the music business because I love music. Mm-hmm. And we had actually put my twin daughters in the sheer blonde commercials by fluke um, because we could cut their hair and we couldn't cut models hair and they photographed well. So, um, so we wound up and my husband plays uh, guitar and was always in a band and singer. And I always loved music. So I thought, well, and John Frieda's brother um, had a whole building in London with studios in it where we could have an office. So I thought, Oh, great. Let's go into the music business. And so um, that's what we did for five years. But during that time, I was noticing, and the music business probably played a part in it, that a lot of people were going gray in the office. And I started thinking, 
why aren't, you know, I have horrendous hair. It's like really difficult to deal with, but I don't have like a lot of gray. Like you can see it because I didn't use the root cover up today. So you can see some, but it's not a lot, but people had literally stripes down their head. And I'm thinking, I'd never looked into it before. I'm going, why aren't you guys using anything to cover that? And they said they didn't really feel that there was anything out there that they was user friendly. They didn't like the sprays because they went all over the place and it was a mess. And there were markers at the time that would also wet the hair and they were very opaque and anything out there didn't feel or look natural or it, it would, if it rained, it would dribble down their, their face or it would come off on their pillows, all these things. And I thought, boy, that would be a great problem to solve if we could ever do it, but not really thinking we could do it. But I remembered I worked with a very famous hairdresser once for a magazine. And I remember that he put a blonde wig on a model and he used, and it looked very fake. So he used eyeshadow to darken it at the roots. But when we hit the hair with a fan, it started to dust into the air <laughs> and it also looked dull. It didn't look natural. It was dull. So I started to think, I wonder if there was a way to get a powder because you could really mix so many colors to make it look really seamless. It wouldn't be opaque. So if you could get pigment made that would match, that would be very forgiving and match, but could also adhere to the, the, um, the negative what is it, ions or whatever, to the hair. If you could, and it would be positive and it would stick somehow. So I talked to Joe, he said, the thought process is possible, but it took us three years working with different places to get it. And I remember when, and, and to sort out all the colors. And I thought, this is crazy that you could just dab this on and it stays. And then my sister, um, who was divorced at the time. I remember she was leaving for Florida and I, she had a big stripe down her head. And I said, Lynn, you cannot go to Florida with your girlfriends looking like that, <laughs> sit in the chair. So I covered it, I flat ironed her hair. It was like crazy. We call her the kook, she's nuts. And she's, you know, she's really good in operations and she's super, super smart, but forget it when it comes to hair, she's clueless. So I sat her down, did the roots, fixed her hair, went to Florida, calls me and she goes, you are never going to believe what happened. I said, what? And I figured she met somebody because of my handiwork. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I go, see, I told you, but you know, she said I was swimming all day. I dried my hair at night, didn't wash it. It's still in my roots are still covered. Wow. And then it takes shampoo to take it off. And I said, okay, we got to look at this more seriously. And that's how it started. I, it's crazy. Like, so that, so that product is what we now know as, as color. Wow. Color wear root cover up. Yep. Wow. Isn't that crazy? I never, it just, I don't know, fate, you know, meant to be. It's amazing. And I'm going to take this opportunity too. like, I was introduced to color. Wow. Not from the, uh, not, not from the little swatch, um, not, not the color, uh, uh, retouch thing, but the, um, Actually, it was the uh, the dream coat, and once right. again, you know, it's so funny. I I've been waiting to bring up dream coat this entire time because as you're talking, you're talking about problem solving. I mean, this too became became a product that that 
literally my clients can't live without, you know, we're, we're here in quarantine and, and, and it's the product that, that, that people keep reaching out about, about, you know, I, I need to get back to the salon so we can get some of that, um, some of that dream coat. You know, it's funny. I did not think that the dream coat right now would be so huge, but I was just getting the numbers in last night. It's crazy. That product is, it's, I'm worried. In fact, I called my sister who's operations and I said, Lynn, this has gone so haywire. I said, I don't know if it's because so many hairdressers that know about it are now online and they're doing stories using it Mm -hmm. and they're in their feed. And so everybody now, because you're spending so much time um, now, I mean, a lot of people knew about it and it was a huge, huge seller for us. But now it's just far exceeded my expectations. But that's, again, attributed to Joe Sincata, our chemist, Dr. Joe, because he knows always what my problems are. And like necessity is the mother of invention. And humidity, even with anything, it would still bother my hair. But um, I don't know if you've seen the demo that people do, but when you treat uh, hair with the dream coat and you drop water on it it just forms droplets like sunbrella material and if you treat another hair it seeps in so it's you know you shouldn't use it every time you shampoo you should use it every third or fourth shampoo because it stays and you don't want build up but um that was just that i that's totally the chemist that came up with that just you know based on lots of things we wanted he said i think you're gonna like this and it was brand new technology that I worked out. So it's really cool too, because actually when you're blow drying, and I'm, Tony, I'm sure you've experienced this too. When you're actually blow drying, like with the dream coat in there, you actually watch the water separate from the hair. Like you yeah. can kind of see the water like push out of the hair and kind of like, it then goes to like almost like an aerosol, the water does um, as you're drying it. So it definitely is one of those products that, 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 that uh, allows you to dry the hair uh, quicker. Because Quickly, it, definitely it does. And then, like, it lasts forever. Like, you know, I have clients that absolutely swear by it. I mean, I absolutely swear by it. But, you know, as a hairstylist, um, as a hairstylist, my challenge with selling it was this. And I'll tell you how I sold it. But my challenge with selling it was this, was that I'm promising them three, you know, three shampoos out of it. But I never get to see shampoo two or three, right? We see the one shampoo when we're in the salon, but we don't right. get after of it, right? Until right. you see them, you know, you have to kind of go with what they say, you know, six or eight weeks later. So, you know, I'm kind of... I'm kind of selling it on, on faith or on hope as opposed to like the, the knowing because, you know, there's just right. no to know, right? Especially being a male hairdresser, um, not actually using the product. However, here's my sales pitch. You ready, Gail? Yeah, I'm ready. Look at Hoda. It's her favorite product. Yes. I sent him the video of Hoda talking about it on the Today Show. And, and you know, she's got the, she has so much trust in the audience that, that be, that's become my sales pitch for it. And, and it, it works great because they're like, they're like, listen, if, if Hoda's hair is, is not going frizzy, then, then certainly my hair will. Uh, yeah, I mean, that was a gift. You know, sometimes the stars align for you, you know. And was that a pun? That sounded like a pun. Is that a what? A pun. The stars align. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but that's true. It is like a pun, but they do. They align because when she did that and said, you are never going to need another product like this. This is the secret sauce or something she called it. And then a week later, she said, you're not going to believe this. I was in Florida and my hair 
it is still perfect from the dream coat. So she did it twice. And that was a really a huge gift. But well, it works. Thank, well, thank you, Dr. Joe. <laughs> I know. Thank you, Dr. Joe, for sure. Right. That's awesome. Um, so, go ahead. You're up. Uh, I was going to say, so, you know, we went from the, the root coverage, now we're in dream coat, but so, and, and I know you don't like to just expand the line for the sake of expanding the line. So are you guys constantly thinking of how do we, before we launch something, it has to solve a, be a solution to a problem. Yeah. Is, it, is that how your board meetings go? Always. And so I always marvel because there are companies that make products and then think about, okay, now who is going to need this? And we do the absolute opposite. We think, or they think, okay, here's a great ingredient, like some marine algae. And this great ingredient does this. And then they put it in all the products. And it's a very easy way to sell in a line by doing that. Okay, this is the ingredient. It does this. And that's what the line is based on. We sort of build a rod for our back because we're always thinking of a problem. And when you're trying to solve a problem, it's going to be different than the last problem. So it needs completely different ingredients. So we don't have any one ingredient sprinkled through the whole line. Like every formula is very different because there's a specific problem that we are trying to solve. So we haven't run out of problems yet. (laughs) I mean, some have some, I mean, there are some things that um, we've been trying to fix for years and years and years and we can't do it, but you know, new ingredients come along. And you never know. But um, Joe's got a bunch on his list and some he is very, very close to. And But if it's, you know, I am usually one of the guinea pigs from the beginning because I'm just so used to working with products my whole life that I'm a good tester. And we've got a bunch of testers that are good. So typically, I have a baseball hat on, if you see me, because it's not working. Because once it works, we give it to everybody else in the salon. And now I'm trying another thing that probably isn't working. That's so, so usually I'm going around with the worst hair <laughs> on the planet. And typically you will see me with a baseball hat on. That is awesome. Again, <laughs> I have a big problem that, um, that I, need, I need help solving. Okay. Um, I've, got, I've got older eyes here. And uh, Tony would never admit it, but he has older eyes there as well. I have the hardest time reading the, uh, the, the black writing on the silver bottle on the dream coat. I know. I cannot. The white writing is fine, you know, for the curly hair, the dream coat for curly hair. That one's yeah. fine. I can read that. But that black one, I even give it to my clients and they're like, what is it saying? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I know. It is, it's a discussion that we have all of the time, the size of the type on even on our website, to be honest with you. Right. I was looking, I said, what is this, the lowest line on an eye chart here? <laughs> I, can't, I can't see it, even if I put my glasses on. So we're trying to fix, you know, things. Like, even though you think you've cracked something and you've gone through it a million times, and then you release it, there you're always tweaking. You always see something after the fact. It's just an ongoing, semi-frustrating but um, in the end, if the formula works, that gives us the greatest pleasure. But 
these are niggling, annoying things that keep happening. God, if anybody can fix it, Gail can fix yeah, it. <laughs> hey, Gail, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a major um, a, 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 a major props or high fives um, during. I mean, again, when this is released, hopefully we're not in quarantine, but we currently are in quarantine. Um, I think you need to team up with with the Zoom company. You know, the company in which we're doing this podcast now. And I yeah. think you need to uh, recommend the one minute transformation because that's the Zoom product, right? So like, so like- You when, are so right. It is, right? So like when, when yes. you're in quarantine, like the one minute transformation, you put it in your hair, boom, 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 and you're ready for your meetings all day. Thank you very much. Do you know, I mean, you should be working with me side by side because <laughs> I just- oh, there. I don't have I a job. I'm quarantined. I called my sister last week and I said, let me explain to you. The one minute transformation is the most important product. For me, it's a lifesaver because I, no matter what I do, if I blow my hair straight, I wake up, it's kinked out everywhere because it's just, it's that kind of hair. So I pull it through, hit it with a blow dryer the next day, it's fine. Today it was all bent and it was already sort of wavy. So I just quickly put an iron to it. But that one minute transformation for Zoom meetings and Chris Appleton has been using it, you are 100% right. And it is the biggest unsung hero because people don't really understand it. Mm -hmm. But you, that is such a key point, but I just don't think people get it. You can blow dry your hair from dry. You can sleep in it, it can be a mess. You pull that thing through, changes the transformation, Hit it with a round brush if necessary, and it looks like you have a fresh blow dry. It is like the perfect thing for these Zoom meetings. It is. Totally. I, I just said the same thing last week. I said, you guys, you have to focus on this. It's important for people to know this. It will take a lot of pain and time and stress away from them. We need, we need Chris to do a video on how to use the product. And then Agree. Agree 100%. Certainly since the Super Bowl, his, his, um, his uh, brand awareness is, is much larger to non-hairdressers. You, know, um, you should probably do it on J-Lo you know, for the one minute. Uh, I, that would be nice if she would ever agree to that. But that's always, <laughs> you know, whatever. You probably but, have to pay her $50 million or something. <laughs> I would love to see Chris do a, a video of it. And that would be my new Hoda video. You know, that'd be my video that I go, oh, look, Chris Appleton. Um, you, know, you know, it's funny because he, he did these two before we were locked down. He did these two um, influencers and he used it on both of them because he loves it. Mm -hmm. But because we were doing a longer video, I don't have the perfect, because I was looking at the, and just this weekend, looking at the video, looking at it to see if we could cut it into one minute that was, but it, he really needs to do it with that thought in mind only perfectly clean. I was trying to make it from the two videos that we had from two different people, but I, I don't think it's going to work. I gave some suggestions to the person that edits it from our company, Gigi, but I'm just not sure, but we hundred percent need that. It's like, you're reading my mind. I literally, <laughs> this has been the subject you know, of my thoughts and my direction for the last practice of the week. Oh, well, it's been on my mind for months now. Um, and you then better talk to me. Come on. You've got it down. We, uh, yeah, I've, I've been, literally, I've been thinking about it for months. And then with the quarantine, I go, oh my gosh, this is like, people are going to be stuck at home and, and, you know, they don't have, they can get salon 
now it's going to sound like a commercial, but they can get salon looks, you know, from their house, just, just from the one minute, um, you know, transformation. I, I love the product. Um, and a, another thing is, is in case, you know, anyone listening, uh, the, the, the retail product that I carry in the salon, and we talked about this a little bit before we went on air is wow. Um, is color. Wow. And it's because as an independent, um, I want to, I don't want a large brand. I don't want a thousand SKUs. And and I appreciate and love the fact that wow has, you know, I don't know, maybe 20 SKUs or something, but it's a very small condensed, um, condensed line. Um, And kind of tell me your theory, because I found this very interesting with with all the product lines out there, um, you know, name any product line and they're there. There's like a thousand different shampoos to, to hand. And since you're a problem solver, you know, so, you know, they're, they're, they're selling us the problem, right? The problem is that your hair is this and the shampoo is that, but, but wow, you guys have done like an opposite kind of thought. And that's like, you know what, we only need one shampoo. What's your theory behind that, especially being the problem solver? I feel like you have somehow had been peeping in to my house. I swear to God, when Giles sees this, he's not going to believe this question. And Leon, because the one minute transformation in the shampoo, no lie. There's no reason for me to be lying. Obsession for me. And this is what I talk about. That shampoo is not the most innovative as far as the technology behind it at all but it is the most important product that we've made. And I try to explain this to everybody. When we were trying to make a shampoo, we were making it typically like we've made other shampoos with conditioners in it, with some silicones in it, with just a a bunch of different ingredients to smooth the hair and keep it shiny, we thought. But as we looked at it, it the color didn't look as fresh as we started looking at versus the control. So we colored two swatches. The control swatch always looked super shiny. And as we would wash with the shampoos, it kind of looked duller and there was no color fade. It couldn't come out because of the, um, the, the sulfate free um, ingredients that we use. They're really top quality. They keep the cuticle tight. It wasn't that. The penny drops on Dr. Joe that, you know, We've got silicones in there. We've got different conditioners. We've got products in there. I mean, ingredients that stay behind. A shampoo should only clean. So I'm going, I said, take them out. Take them out. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Now understand, I raised my hand because I was probably one of the first ones that put silicones into a shampoo when we did frizzies. Not just thinking that made sense. It's in the serum. It made sense. Okay, moving forward, looking at this, I start thinking about it. And I'm thinking, it really makes no sense to put ingredients that don't easily rinse off in a shampoo that's supposed to clean your hair. So I said, get it all out because the conditioner can condition. If you want to thicken your hair, use a thickening product after. Don't put thickening ingredients. Like don't make a shampoo for to make your hair thicker because you have to leave ingredients behind. And a shampoo is the only product you massage into your scalp. So that's dangerous if those ingredients stay behind. That is like just a scenario for an unhealthy scalp. So in it was uh, 2014, at, toward the end, that I got a call from an editor that said, 
hey, Gail, what do you think about all these notebooks? And I said, I think it's the worst thing that could ever happen. I said, I think it is a disaster just waiting for its time to break open. I said, I have taken out all the ingredients from shampoos. All our shampoo does is gently clean, gets everything off the scalp and hair leaves nothing behind because that's what a shampoo should do. I said, these things are the opposite extreme. They're really mostly conditioners and barely any surfactants. So everything is left behind. I said, that is a disaster. I said, it's unhealthy scalp conditions. It can only lead to terrible things. I, so I said, so you're not going to want to include me in this because I'm, you know, I'm not going along with what everybody is saying right now. I said, I know they're making a lot of money, but believe me, they're not good for you. One year later in January, a year and two months, and I said to our PR team, I said, I want to go on record saying this is bad. So they drafted a press release, sent it out. I think one place picked it up because it was not the story of the times. It was like the opposite of what was happening. And um, there was the class action lawsuit against Wen for Anopu, where all over 20,000 people's hair was falling out. So since then, we have been writing blogs on our website and running ads saying, stay away from these type of formulas. You want everything to rinse out of shampoo. If you want to defrizz, get a conditioner that's stronger because you're not massaging it into your scalp. Use a serum where you're pulling it through, but don't ask your shampoo to do more than clean or you are going to be in trouble. Obviously there are scales, you know, something like a no poo is a really those negative results can be seen in a sooner time frame. But no matter what you if you are massaging things that don't rinse out and new hair is supposed to grow in and there happens to be a film former there or silicone, new hair is soft, it won't push through. So again, you know, it just happened with another brand I, I won't mention, that but the sense. same disaster happened. And it's, you know, it's the same type of shampoo, guys. You're not shampooing this stuff off your hair. Think okay. about it. And so that's why we have the one, because all you want to do is clean. So I don't want to add anything in there that promises something more than clean, because if we promise something more than clean, then those ingre then ingredients have to stay behind or it won't work. So that's why we only have one shampoo. And I feel like to me, even though it's not the most innovative, it's the most important for people to understand. And for guys that don't have a lot of hair, I mean, we can't cure, you know, male pattern baldness or cure some things, but for sure we can keep more hair on people's head by not leaving things behind on the scalp. There's like no question. And the proof is in the no poo disasters. The, the, so, I mean, I really feel so strongly about that shampoo. And, you know, I'm here to say people can knock it off easily. I want them to knock it off because yeah. it's the right thing to do. It's yeah. not some proprietary ingredient. It's just take out conditioners, take out silicones, take out, thickening res resins, all you manufacturers out there. It's healthier <laughs> for everybody. We'll sell less shampoos because we're not the only one with that position. But hey, 
that's okay, we're not greedy. Let's all do the right thing. And I really believe that's the right thing. Funny, just take out all the IP, you know, take out all the IP from, from your right. That's, and you're that's just you just doing things, you know, the opposite again, right? Everybody else is doing this. You're like, you know what? I'm here. You know what I mean? But you were again solving a problem, again looking out for the the user, not necessarily trying to, you know, sell a brand, and it and it's working. And it's, you know, it's like a really hard story. Like, hey, guess what? There's no special ingredient in here. We right. took all those things out. <laughs> okay. And they're thinking, okay, well, I need this. And so it was, it's been very hard to explain, even in light of the fact that there are two prime examples that we predicted would happen. Right. You know? And, but anyway, all we can do is keep preaching. But for, you know, like, for me, like I always have a lot of hair in my head. So I use frizzy shampoo, but like I pile my hair up and I'm shampooing it, but it definitely gets closer when you have a lot of hair to this area. And if you look at pictures, I know I'm getting older, but I used to have a ton of hair. And in my family, we don't lose our hair as we get older. It's like, we have loads of it. My brother has a huge head of hair. Um, my bang area is definitely less thick not the rest of it but here and that's because i am really i believe really getting that frizzy shampoo that we made i don't know what it's in it now it might be perfect now i don't know how they make it now but we had lots of stuff in it and i believe it blocked some new hair from going through so makes sense I'm I mean, glad when, you brought it up. When, when you when you explain it like that it totally makes it totally makes sense um and and just if you haven't used the Wow shampoo, it's interesting because the very first time that I squirted it out of the bottle onto my hand, the texture is almost like a hair gel. Like it's it's like a really really thick, and it's clear like a hair gel too. So I actually had to go back and read the bottle to make sure that I didn't pick up like a gel bottle. <laughs> yeah, and it's weird because also it's there's no because we don't have pearlizing ingredients or really any we every single thing in it is clear and translucent which is unusual because pearlizing ingredients make it look nice and we had them in our frizzy shampoo i think we had them in sheer blonde too but they stick behind also they stay so why do that in a shampoo every single thing should rinse out so you should have named the product just clean yep just clean 100 percent clean just clean <laughs> you brought up my two key pro actually three my dream coat my one minute transformation and my shampoo thank you well i i, I wish it was I, I wish it was per, uh that, that i knew that you know but that was just honestly it's it, it's the it's the it's the products that 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 i absolutely love um in your line um thank you. and so that's it but i still want chris to do a one minute transformation uh <laughs> you got it i'm gonna tell him i'll be i'll be talking to him probably a hundred times today <laughs> So he's got a lot going on, but um, yeah, I'll let him know. That's awesome. Gail, um, you, you blow me away, man. I just, I, I love your energy. I love what you've done for our industry. I, I love that. I, I love that, um, you know, you're a problem solver, not, not a money grabber. Um, I love that. Um, those were my words, not yours. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I love it's that you're- face a little bit, but right. <laughs> it's okay. I, I love that you're looking to make a me- to make meaning. You know, I, I just love all that. And, and I, listen, dude, I, I didn't know, I didn't know much about you before this interview, but, but, but after it, I, I think you're amazing. And, and thank you very much for, for what you do for the industry. 
thank you guys. It was really great talking to you. I feel like there was a mind meld here. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, again, I, I, I'm going to repeat what Corey said. Thank you so much. Thank you for giving, uh, you know, to our industry and, and helping uh, everyone out and, and, you know, and, and just more power to, to uh, women in, in our industry. And, and thank you for being a, I guess a mentor and a leader to, to probably a lot of women in our industry and, and keep it up. And again, thank you. Thank you guys so much. It was really a pleasure. That's it really awesome. was. Yeah. Is there anything that you want to, that you want to, um, that, you know, you want to talk about or how can people find you if, if you want them to find you or, or, or whatever, do you have anything? I to, mean, I don't know if you want to follow me. I don't go on it that much, but I do. I'm always kind of surfing around looking for people. I don't necessarily post a lot. It's at Gail fed F E D. Um, or you could follow us at, at Colorwell Hair. Love it. We'll do that. Miss awesome. Gail Federici, thank you for your time and thank you very, very much for joining us on your day off. Thank you very much, Corey and Tony. Appreciate it. Hey, hey, so there it is. Hey, this is a message that um, we've been trying to bring, I don't know, for the last couple of months, actually since we started the podcast. Hey, so if you like the podcast or if you find that it's useful, please, please, please leave us a review, a five-star review on iTunes. Um, leave us a rating and a review. But if you don't like it, forget about it. <laughs> yeah, totally forget about this message. We also want to thank Sarah and Blaine from Pretty Gritty. Uh, Sarah and Blaine, they are a band out of uh, Portland, Oregon, and we just want to thank them very much for allowing us to use their song, Pleased to Meet You, on our podcast. Um, that's cool. I think you can find, actually you can, you can find their music on, um, on iTunes. Peace and hair grease.